Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You know, we all want to be liked. We want people to pat us on the back. We want people to tell us how great we are. Uh, It feels good, doesn't it? It feels good when someone gives us an encouraging word, tells us we're doing a good job. We like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we do things that we should be doing to glorify God simply because we want people to think well of us. Think simply because we we want people to to have a, a high opinion of us. Jesus here tonight talks about about that. Jesus, uh, whenever we were going through the uh, last chapter, in uh, chapter 5, verse 16, He tells us, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And at the time, I, I, I raised this objection, this, this question, does that contradict what we're going to look at tonight? Because tonight he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. I don't believe those two contradict. Jesus was here giving this sermon in one setting. He wasn't contradicting himself. Uh, what we have to realize is he's talking here about motive. Um, we are uh, all sinners. We are prone to, to do things because we want people to like us. And he's warning us of the danger of that. When we do our good works, which he wants us to do, we should not be doing so for our own glory, but so that God would be glorified. That's, uh, I believe, what he gets to tonight. So let's, um, let's read Matthew chapter 6. We'll look at uh, verses 1 through 18 tonight, kind of a longer section. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray to your Father who is in secret, uh, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between the bone and the marrow. Lord, we pray that you would come with your spirit, apply this word to our hearts, use your surgeon's scalpel upon us. Cut away every rebel power that still remains in us. Father, um, I like it when people pat me on the back. And I am sometimes tempted by doing things so that other, others will look highly upon me. Lord, I confess that I am a sinner in need of Your grace. And I pray that You would give me strength and boldness to preach Your Word. Help me to submit under it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've been looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, it's kind of worked out that Jesus has been preaching a sermon kind of on the Ten Commandments. And he, he, He tells us what these Ten Commandments say not to do. And we can begin to kind of feel good about ourselves because we haven't done that. And then he knocks our legs out from under us to show, yes, we have. He says, you've heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder. But I say, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. And then he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. We could be feeling good, we've never physically done that, and then, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery. And time after time, Jesus here in these other, in this last chapter we looked at, he's showing how we may feel like we're good, we may feel like we have kept the commandments, and yet He knocks our legs out from under us, and He shows us that we are all condemned. 
I think Jesus is doing something similar here in chapter 6, but from a different angle. Those were all bad things He tells us not to do. And in chapter 6, He comes to something that, some things that are good. He tells us to beware of practicing our righteousness before other people, and then He gives us these three good works. Giving to the poor, he, and, and, and praying, and fasting. All of those are good things. All of those that, that God wants us to do. Yet there's a danger implicit. And I think all of us probably fall into, one time or another, of doing something because of the pat on the back we get. So I think what Jesus is doing, not only does He show us in the last chapter, our law-keeping isn't really up to par. Here in chapter 6, He's turning the corner and saying, our goodness, our good works, it isn't really up to par either. The first thing He talks about is giving alms, uh, giving to the needy. He says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. I don't know if they had an actual person that would play a, a trumpet and everything, but the idea there is someone who's giving so that they'll be seen, so that they'll be respected. Uh, someone who's wealthy, who has a lot of resources, and they want people to know that they're giving. Jesus says, don't be like that. No, He wants us to give in secret. He doesn't say don't give, but He says do it in secret. Do it in a way that doesn't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, that's doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of, us, of sense. I, I don't know if this is really something we need to take literally because our hands are not intelligent beings. But the point is, we want to be so secretive that we, that we don't want anybody to know because we want to be between us and God what we're giving. We want God to know uh, and, and for Him to see in secret what we are giving. Uh, whenever Amy and I were in seminary, we would hear stories occasionally of, of some student um, who would receive a, an envelope full of cash. Uh, no explanation, no name, uh, no note, no nothing. No idea where it came from. It may, maybe came right at the right time to provide for a need, but no one would claim that they did it. This is the kind of thing that... Um, Jesus here is, is calling us to give in such a way that we don't get any recognition for it. And then another example of that that you know, we, may, we may see people do is the whole idea of paying it forward. You've, you've heard that. Uh, you go through the, the drive up, say McDonald's or some other restaurant, and you pay for the person who's in the car behind you. And you drive off. They never know who you are, and they just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. It's a, it's, a, it's a 
feeling, it's, it's a good feeling you get when you do that. But you know what? Anybody can do that. Anybody that doesn't trust in Jesus can, can do that. Because ultimately, when we give, not only do we have to worry about giving in order that other people see us and, and pat us on the back, but it even builds up our pride. And we might think, well, God owes me because I've been such a good person and I've, I've, I've given in these kinds of ways. So it ends up building up our own pride. Jesus warns us of this danger. He wants us to give with a right heart motivation. It isn't enough that we do good works. He wants us to do it from a heart that simply seeks to glorify God. And then, he talks about prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases and, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for their Father who knows what you, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He warns us of the same thing about prayer as He does about giving. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. How do the hypocrites pray? He says they love to pray in public. They, they're itching to pray in public so they can give a long, eloquent prayer using lots of words. Now we pray in public. We prayed twice already. Um, and we're going to we, well, no, three times already since we've started in public. We're going to pray again before we close. I don't think Jesus is condemning public prayer. But what He is doing is it's talking about our motivation. We, we are not to be praying in public because we love for other people to see us. Uh, we love for other people to think, oh, He's so holy or she's so holy because of the words that we use or the long prayers that we use. Jesus warns us also not to heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And how often do we slip into something like this where we just pray the same thing? Even I. You know, when I, when I come to the pulpit to pray, a lot of the times I pray the same kinds of things every single week. Now part of that is because this is a, a, a task that I do every week and I'm asking God for the same kinds of things. I'm asking Him for Him to open our eyes and, and things like that. But it's easy to just slip into just saying the same things over and over again without even thinking. We pray common things like, bless the gift and the giver, right? We all have heard that a million times. Or we pray, uh, be with me, be with so-and-so, be with... Well, God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Sometimes when we say be with, we're not really necessarily thinking about what we're saying, Fact is, God is everywhere. He's always with us all the time. He always sees everything we do, whether we like it or not. Maybe it would be better, instead of praying, be with me, or be with this person, Lord, 
help this person or help me to sense your presence, to know that you're with me, to trust you more as we face this thing. Part of our human nature, though, is we we just slip into these things so easily because we grow up, that's how we learn to pray. And so we, we even fall into the same kind of things that Jesus is warning about. And part of, the, part of the, the answer to this is being aware of it. You know, being aware of it, we can make a conscious effort to think about what it is that we pray when we pray so that we don't just repeat something emptily like Jesus warns us about, but we think about it. And Jesus warns against long prayers. People, people who pray long prayers thinking that with their long prayers, God will um, be more willing to bless them, to be more willing to, to give them what they desire than for a short prayer. You know, I think Jesus here is commending short prayers. If you don't pray a long time, good. That's a wonderful thing. doesn't mean I don't want you to pray or God doesn't want you to pray. But it doesn't have to be long, elaborate prayers. Jesus then, He gives us an example of what we are to pray like. We call this the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to chase a rabbit here because the text does. This is, you know, Jesus here is, he's, he's telling us about one thing. He's telling us, beware of doing your good works before men. And He's talking about Giving, he's talking about uh, praying, and he's talking about fasting. But here he takes a corner, and he gives us a model prayer, and then he kind of gives some explanation on that. So he takes a little excursus, or a a little rabbit trail. I'm going to follow Jesus here. He says, we should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The first thing I notice about this prayer is it is short. (laughs) He was just telling us not to pray long prayers like the hypocrites do who, want to, who think they'll be seen for their many words. And Jesus gives us an example. This is how you're to pray. And it's short. And the next thing I think we can notice about it is He addresses God as Father. And he, he, He's not just talking about Himself. This is how He's teaching us to pray. He says, Our Father who is in heaven. The Jews of that day, they wouldn't have called Jesus Father. Our God was was distant. He was a distant being. But Jesus teaches us to pray to God as a Father, as an intimate Father. Someone who is close to us. But a Father who is in heaven. He is up and high and separate and different from us. But He is also close He's a father. He's intimately related to us. The next thing we see about this prayer is it is has a concern for God's glory and God's will. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. A prayer that follows Jesus' example is one that will will want to see ultimately God's will done. 
even if it contradicts with what we, what we want in our flesh. And this is how Jesus prayed whenever He was in the garden. And He, he said, If it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Lest, nevertheless, let Your will be done. Jesus teaches us to pray the same thing. Hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not mine. Our ultimate aim is that God would be glorified. And the next thing, He tells us to pray about the little things. Give us this day our daily bread. God cares about the little things in our life. If He cares about us praying that that we would have food for the day on this very day, that He cares about all the little things in our life. There is nothing too small for us to pray about. We don't have to think, well, God wouldn't care about that. No. Bring every little thing to Him. If He cares about us praying for the food that we need for this day, He cares about anything that we would bring to Him. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We come to God when we pray, confessing our sins. Confessing that we stand in need. That we need His grace. That we are sinners. And that our only hope is through the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. The next phrase there, as we have also forgiven our debtors, reminds us of what Jesus has already said in chapter 5. He tells us, when you go to the altar to give a gift, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and reconcile with your brother, and then come back and give the gift. He does not want our hypocritical worship. Worship that we, you know, we, we still hold on to bitterness and sin that we refuse to repent of while we're at the same time bringing Him our gift, praying to Him. So we come to Him asking for forgiveness. We come to Him asking for help that we can forgive others as well. Then Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He tells us to be dependent on Him, to make it through the day without sinning. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Not that we would pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and by our own strength of will that we would be able to keep from sinning. No, Jesus tells us to pray that God would help us, that He would enable us by His Spirit to not be led into temptation, but delivered from evil. Verses 14 and 15 kind of go along with what I've already explained, so I'm going to pass over them. And Jesus talks then about fasting. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, 
that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by the fa- your Father who is in heaven, in, Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He says that same phrase, your Father who sees in secret will reward you for all three of these things. That's why I, I group them together. We don't think about fasting that much today. We ought to. You know, Jesus, I think Christians fast. It's, it is a Christian discipline to fast. I mean, other, other religions do as well. But John's disciples, they came to Jesus and they asked Him, why do your disciples not fast, but we do? And Jesus' answer was, well, I'm with them. The bridegroom is with them. There, it wouldn't be right for the, the friends of the bridegroom to, to fast while the bridegroom is with them. But when I go away, when the bridegroom is away, then they will fast. We're waiting now in expectation that Jesus is going to one day return. He's gone physically from the scene. He's in heaven interceding for us right now. And so because He's away... Believers, Christians, are to fast. And here Jesus says, He doesn't say, and if you fast. He says, and when you fast. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Fasting is a good thing. It isn't something that we should necessarily avoid just because of Jesus' warning here. But on the other hand, we have to be careful of our motives. Just like all these other things. They're all good things. When we fast, we're not to make a big deal out of it in front of other people. To tell people. But He wants us to to keep it secret. So that it's just between us and God. And nobody thinks that we're just such a great person because we fast or because we pray so long or any of those things. But to be in secret so that our Father who sees in secret will reward us. We've covered all these things. He warns us against the danger of doing these activities, these good religious activities of giving to the poor, of praying, and of fasting. He warns us of the danger of doing those things to get glory for ourselves instead of giving glory to God. What I found as as I came to this point in my preparation, I realized if I end the sermon here, then all I've given you is law. And and, and it, it really just crushes us, doesn't it? Because... I think, well, Jesus here, in the other chapter that we looked at, He says, you think you've done well because you've never killed anybody? Well, have you ever been angry? And now here, He's looking at our good things we do. When we give, when we pray, when we fast, all the good things we do, and He says, you're not so good after all. He does the same thing He did before. He cuts our legs out from underneath of us, even if we do things in secret. Like he, he tells us to do. Where other people aren't going to see it and pat us on the back, we're still liable to pride where we think we're so good because we have given so much. And, and we can build up our own selves 
in our own minds thinking, well, God owes me because I've given so much, because I pray so much, because I have fasted so much. Those religious activities, these these good things like praying, giving, and fasting, they're all good. And Jesus wants us to do those things. But they're dangerous. Because they do add to our pride. Whether someone else knows it, pats us on the back, whether it's just our own feeling of superiority to other people. So, what do we do? The Sermon on the Mount, I don't think we should just look at every verse, every section here, or even the sermon as a whole, apart from the rest of the book of Matthew. It has a context. And and when we look at the book of Matthew, we see that it leads, in the end, to Jesus broken body on the cross. He knew whenever He was giving this sermon that He was cutting the legs out from everyone. You think you're good because you've kept the law? Think again. You think you're good because you do all these good things? Think again. You have no righteousness apart from Me. Your righteousness, as the Bible tells us, is as filthy rags. Our only righteousness is in a bloody cross. It's in Jesus who lived a sinless life, who never sinned. He was the only one who ever fulfilled the Sermon on the Mount. Who was able to live out everything perfectly that we see here in the Sermon on the Mount. When he prayed, he didn't care what other people thought. When we pray in public, we may not think, well, I hope people see how good I am. But we may think, we may be concerned, overly concerned about what people think and afraid to say anything because of what someone says or another person says because we might say something wrong and then then what will happen? But Jesus never fell into that trap. He was perfect and He went to the cross and He was crucified as our substitute, as our sin bearer. And it's by faith in Him that we can have a righteousness that is greater than the scribes and Pharisees. Because Jesus gives us His righteousness. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook.